Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're back and we're going right to the phones. And Mr. Nate Zielinski, we look like we were going to have one of the earliest ice fishing seasons we've had in years, and it is happening in some of the mountain lakes. And I thought by now we'd be on the Front Range lakes. But then I, uh, Mother Nature kind of said, hey, it's not December, it's March or something. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Well, I tell you, you know as well as uh, well as anybody, you know, ice conditions uh, control a lot of our lives. So it's one of those things that we're we're watching every day. We're checking long-term forecasts, and uh, you know, right now we're we're enjoying the ice that we have. You know, the mountains are are looking great. I was actually on Wellington Lake an hour ago. Uh, we got like seven, seven and a quarter inches of ice. Good, clear, hard ice. You know, Ontario's doing well. There's a lot of places. I've been on Jefferson Lake a lot, and I got thirteen and a half up there. So uh, the mountains are doing good. So we're capitalizing on that. And then when the front range ice uh, hit. We're excited about that. We got uh, we got about seven to eight days of, of fairly uh, for bad weather as far as ice is concerned. You know, it's, it's really nice if you're just a normal civilian. Um, and then after that, we start getting cold again. So we're just going to kind of watch those uh, predictions, and we'll see what happens with the, the front range ice. I uh, I have an event coming up January 5th, so uh, trust me, there's a, a lot of sleepless nights watching ice uh, slowly build. I think it builds slower than paint dries, but uh, we're watching it uh, continuously, that's for sure. All right, before we go on to, I want to say we did have a winner for our two tickets to ISE, and you'll be able to see Nate and myself there, by the way, and the Bass Pro that was on with us earlier in the show that's going to be at ISE this year was Brent Chapman. He was an angler of the year. He's qualified for multiple Bassmaster Classics, and he's part of the Major League Fishing event. So he'll be at ISE, and we did get two tickets. I do have a couple more I'll give away later in the show by some means. Not sure yet. But, Nate, you know, even though it's 50 degrees, I look at my thermometer at home, and it's 15 to 25 degrees at night. And even though it seems really warm and the ice isn't forming yet, you're right. It's only going to take three or four good cold days in these lakes because even the ponds are capping right now. So it, yep, will happen. Yep. it will happen quickly. But right now, you know, stay away from the Front Range lakes. Yeah, I mean, just, just use caution wherever you are, and that's the biggest thing. Conditions change every day, you know, and that's, that's kind of what we just preach. Just, just watch it and check on it. And, you know, with that, that kind of being said, the topic that I kind of want to talk today, I, I just got back from the St. Paul Ice Show a couple weeks ago, and I did seminars on anticipation, anticipating the bite, creating your own success. And I'm actually at Bass Pro Shop Denver today talking on that same subject. I have a, a 1.30 uh, seminar at Bass Pro Shop Denver talking about trophy lake trout. Uh, so we're going to talk about all the fisheries in Colorado, how you find and catch bigger lake trout. So we'd love to see everybody there. And then at 3.30, we have a seminar talking about anticipating the bite. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today because, you know, we get, you know, we get so many people asking us questions about, you know, success and what bites hot and this and that. But if if you do a study or you just watch, let's say you go to a popular lake, you go to Antero Reservoir right now, and you sit at the north boat dock or sit at the south boat ramp, it'll blow your mind how many anglers pull up to the lake and literally step out of their vehicle and they look out on the ice. And they're literally planning their day. And what they're looking for is where are tracks going? Where are people gathering? And a lot of anglers literally plan their day by by what other people are doing. No idea if that angler is making an educated decision or just on a whim. And literally all of a sudden it goes from two anglers to ten anglers. And everybody's like, man, there's ten guys in a bite hot. 
and you get this crazy cycle of of chasing uh, a whim, chasing an idea, a concept, but really not having that educated guess. And I think it's so important to when we say anticipate the bite, it, it can come in so many ways. But you know, it starts off with having a plan. When you go to the lake, let's say you're going tomorrow, you're going this afternoon. Do you think, even if it takes for five seconds, do you think, hey, where should I go? Why should I go there? What's leading me to make this decision? And if you all of a sudden start putting a game plan together, your success rate goes through the roof. It's the same as scouting for elk. But again, making an educated decision is so much more valuable um, than just going on a whim and, and just trying to get lucky. Boy, I'll tell you what, I... You are preaching to the choir. I used to give a seminar when I was still doing a lot of seminars, almost the exact words about how people drive up to the lake. They're tired, haven't had their coffee. They have no plan. They look out and they see one guy and then he goes out and then they see another guy. (laughs) And the other thing they do is even though we've got the mobile shelters and the electronics, they all drill a hole. And they're not catching fish, so they stand around and talk to each other, and all you hear is, well, I guess they're not biting today. Yep, <laughs> exactly. And yeah, they're not in a good spot, and it's just a cycle that continues. And, you know, it's like anything in life. You know, if you're anticipating, this is anticipating where the food source is, anticipating where the fish are, um, you know, even as far as actually catching and landing the fish. You know, if somebody throws you a ball and you don't know it's coming, it's going to hit you and knock you out, it's a surprise, and it doesn't lead to a good day. If somebody says, hey, man, catch. And they throw it at you. You catch the ball because you're ready. You anticipated it coming. You know, if you go to the right spot, you know where the food's at, it's going to create your success because you're going to know what's happening. You're going you're gonna to know where to go. You're going to line yourself up. There's going to be active fish there, and you're going to catch those fish. And then same thing, like, like having a, a graph, having a vexlar, having a flasher screen. You know, if you know the fish is there, your odds of hooking that fish are far better. So when we talk about this, it really takes you through the the planning process and just being ready for all situations, all the way from from knowing where to set up and and how to get ready, you know, having the rod in your hand correctly for a good hook set, being able to drop down to your knee to land fish. If you have a plan, it's going to lead to more success every single time you're on the water, whether that's catching more fish or bigger fish. Um, you know, is, is everything. So right now, you know, how many people are, are looking at maps? How many people are trying to educate themselves on what the food source is? Where are they going to go? You know, drawing it out on map and paper to where when you get on the lake, you don't miss a beat. You go right to your spot. Um, and, and those are the things that a lot of anglers are doing, but unfortunately there's also a lot of anglers that aren't doing it. Again, I, it's these things that just strike you when you, I'm getting ready for a guy trip sitting at the lake and you watch guys pull up. I'm like, hey, you know, how you doing? You create that small talk and you just see them and you hear the conversations. Oh, man, look, somebody's been drilling a lot of holes out there. Let's go there. It, it's hard not to shake your head and just wish that everybody had uh, you know, a plan in mind because, again, it's going to create success for everybody. Now, you, you spend a lot of time on the water and you guide, so you get a kind of keep track of what's going you and your crew. And I've fished in Colorado for 30-some years, so I kind of know some of the waters. And I've got an idea in my head of what the patterns are at different times of the year. And, of course, they'll change. But at least you and I kind of go out with a perceived notion of depth and presentation. We have to have plan B, of course. But what are some of the resources? I, you know, obviously hiring a guide trip with 
one of you guys will teach you so much, and that's the best way to learn. But what about if you just want to go out for a day, what are some of the resources you would tell people to use to help to help them plan that trip? You know, there's so many different resources out there. With the digital community that's available today, it's unreal. And, you know, you hear some negative talk about the digital community, and you definitely get some weird things going on. But regardless, the, the overall wholesome you know, ingredient to the, to the to the digital series is huge. So things like Fish Explorer, Colorado Fishermen, two Colorado-based forums. We can get on there. Hey, we're fishing well, You know, going in from the really do Whatever. You know, has anybody been out? Any, any ideas? You know, and I think the right questions is everything. Instead of saying where can I go and what should I use. You, hey, you know, anybody have a rough idea of depth that I should be looking for? You know, what type of structure? Ask the right questions, and you're going to get the answers that are going to lead you to that success. But the forum-based stuff is huge. Then you go to places like Facebook. Um, I mean, you have probably 10 different groups. You have ISIS Colorado, you know, Mile High Fishing Homies. There's, there's all these Facebook groups, and the list goes on. And they literally have, you know, 30,000, 50,000 members, and they have people on the ice every day. You could get on one of these, these you know, Facebook groups. Ask that question. Hey, go in here. Any ideas? And you will get just loaded with data of information that's real time where people have been out in the last 24 hours. And they're going to give you that information to help that success. So all that type stuff is really huge. I mean, stuff like, you know, you can always call me. Um, you know, people say that all the time, but shoot me an email, shoot me a text, happy to help you out, you know, plan your day. Because, um, again, those are the type of things that, that help out. You know, ask the right questions. Um, you know, you don't really care about what happened yesterday. You want to know what's going to happen in the future. And it's always about predicting that bite, anticipating that bite. So a rough idea of, you know, depth or, or structure. Ask those questions, and you're going to find a hundred different spots that you're going to find fish. Instead of asking for one spot or one bait, you know, learn a pattern, and the patterns will continue um, and catch fish. And then, you know, kind of with that same question, this is very broad, but I, I got it actually the other day. Somebody was like, "Man, you, where do I go ice fishing? How do I start?" And you know, I would say, generally speaking, let's say rainbows, let's say lake trout, let's say walleye. Generally speaking, your bite, as far as overall depth, goes shallow, deep, shallow. So your early ice, your first month, six weeks, you know, maybe two weeks if you have a short ice window. But you start off your season in shallow water, shallow water being, say, say the mid-range of whatever depth you have, say at 10 to 20 feet or something like that. And then midwinter, the, the hard January, February, I tend to fish a little deeper. Oxygen levels are lacking. Fish aren't quite as energy-filled. You see fish associating a deeper structure. And then in that springtime, all of a sudden you have thaw. You have a lot of oxygen. You have very anxious fish. You have spring approaching for some, some of the spawning fish. And your fish go extremely shallow so if i had to, to break it down into a nutshell i would literally say it's a it's a shallow deep shallow situation as far as taking you through the ice season of where you're going to find your most active fish in, in the given day well you know another thing we started this conversation by talking about how we're still a, uh, maybe a week or two away from getting good ice here on the front range right now what i would do now the mountain lakes we can get some current information people are out fishing Front Range Lakes, they haven't, most of them you haven't been able to put boats on. There's a few. If they have been able to put boats on and they're going to be ice fishable, find out where they're catching them in boats. But kind of, you know, talk back to people who were out in boats and what depths were they catching? What were the fish doing? Because those fish aren't being harassed now on a lot of these Front Range Lakes. And once we get that early fishable ice, you're exactly right. A lot of those fish will be shallow and active. But know the lake. Know what was going on in that lake before it froze. And that'll give you a really good idea of the type of presentations and how to locate those fish because they don't just pick up and move because the ice sheet comes. 
Absolutely. You know, I would say most fish, regardless of, uh, of the surface, follow their same patterns. And, you know, years ago, I mean, you know, fortunately, you know, we, a lot of us fished, you know, fairly frequently before the, the A&S programs, before the closure of boatings. I mean, I remember back when Chili Creek and Chatfield, if it had water, you were fishing it. You know, there wasn't a, a boat dock closure. And, you know, I look now at, you look at the ice patterns versus the times that we were able to fish these bodies of water in December, January, February even. Um, and the fish were in the exact same spot. So the, the ice cap really doesn't do a whole lot. It stabilizes things. It actually helps you out. But generally speaking, these fish are doing the same exact thing. So, you know, where we where we were at with walleye, per se, when we put our boats away December 1st, those fish are going to be right there right now today. Even though we can't get out there to them in a lot of these bodies of water, they're there right now doing the exact same pattern. The second we have ice, we'll be able to go out there and capitalize on those fish. So so you're, you're exactly right. The ice doesn't change a whole lot other than stabilizes it. Um, you know, it might shorten your bite window just because the bait gather a little more because the water's cold. Uh, but they're going to be in the same locations doing very much almost the same thing. All right, my friend, we're going to wrap it up for today. But I do want to mention that you will be at the International Sportsman's Exposition. You're giving, I believe, hunting seminars. You're going to be on the tank doing presentations. And you're going to be part of our new Experts Corner. Absolutely. I've got, got to do some casting against uh, your former guest right there. It was just on Mr. Brent Chapman. Uh, we got a lot going on. So, yeah, I'll actually be doing a, a post on Facebook here shortly uh, next couple of days talking about my schedule for ISE. So, we'd love to see everybody there. I'll be at Bass Pro Denver today at 1.30 and 3.30 doing seminars. Uh, and then we'll also be doing a lot of updates on our social media pages about the upcoming Ice Addiction Tournament Series. Uh, and then, as always, for anything Christmas-related, gift cards, things like that, always go to our website. Uh, think about a guided trip, ice schools, or ice addiction. So, we got a lot going on. So, uh, we'd love to, love to work with the community and get everybody out in the water. And we've still got a couple more tickets to get away this hour to people can come and see you at international sportsman's exposition so we'll we'll, see everybody there all right thanks nate we'll talk to you next week you're listening to terry wickstrom outdoors on 104.3 the fan terry wickstrom outdoors is brought to you in part by sun power sports colorado's largest atv and motorcycle dealer we're going right to the phones and joined by one of our favorite contributors from colorado clays jr pierce good morning jr Good morning, Terry. You know, it's uh, what a great day to be out shooting. Oh, it's fantastic. Got a nice, uh, even overcast, just a, an excellent day to come out and do some shooting. Oh, it really is. Now, you and I talked earlier, and we talk about the facility, and we'll let people know everything you have out there. But we want to kind of start getting a little more informational. And one of the things, because you do have rifle, pistol, and shotgun out there, and you have instructors and range guys that are well-versed in all of these uh, different disciplines of shooting, we thought maybe you'd talk to them and we'd go through some of the common mistakes that people need to correct that they see in their shooting. So why don't you take us through some of that? Well, and thank you for that, Terry. I think it's uh, something that people can really use. So like you said, being, you know, Colorado's premier public shooting facility, um, we, we have the finest opportunity in rifle, pistol, and shotgun to everyone. And we do this all year. So we literally have tens of thousands of people come out and fulfill their needs here at Colorado Clays. And like any recreation uh, activity, we see people just really enjoying trying to improve their shooting skills you know, while they're out here at Colorado Clays. And there are many ways to improve your safe gun handling and shooting skills. Uh, like you said, shooting at Colorado Clays, working with our staff or doing instruction. But, you know, Terry, without going into a full-blown conversation on A to Z shooting fundamentals, uh, there are a few things that are worth noting for 
the, the different things we offer. So I know you and Karen really like shooting those pistols. And uh, in our pistol range, one thing we see, number one, is grip. And I think you'll understand uh, a good grip on the gun, a proper grip, is very important. And you can actually adjust grips with aftermarket stuff. So getting a good grip on the gun so that when you do squeeze your trigger, you're not pulling the gun one way or another. Uh, the second thing really is that trigger squeeze and having the correct part of your finger and doing a nice, slow, steady pull on that trigger, very important to accuracy and improving your game. And one of the reasons people have a tendency not to do that nice, steady pull is they do have a tendency to anticipate, uh, anticipate recoil. So recoil is going to happen whether you, you know, push into it or not. So learning to um, adjust and follow through on your shot and try to disregard that recoil is three of the biggest things with the pistol. As far as our rifle range goes, of course, starting out with a good rest, very important. Uh, there's a lot of things like your scope relief and such that uh, you learn to adjust um, just by shooting at Colorado Plays. But one really important issue uh, people have is learning breathing techniques that allow them to do a good, smooth trigger squeeze. And then, of course, following through on the shot. People uh, don't realize your shot's not over when you pull the trigger. So... Um, following through on a rifle shot, very important and something people don't realize. One other thing in the rifle range we see, too, is people really don't know how to adjust their scopes. So coming and doing that, if you did get in a field situation or somewhere you needed to make an adjustment, um, spending time at our range helps you be more familiar with your gun. And uh, we do have some excellent sighting clinics for rifle, you know, come the hunting season, so something to keep an eye on. And then, of course, uh, Terry, you know, we just throw millions of targets on the shotgun side of our operation. Um, big things we see is just that good stance relative to your target presentation. Uh, the stance that gives you good range of motion to follow targets in all directions. Uh, learning to distribute your body weight um, more to the forward so that your head drops into the gun for proper alignment gives you that sight picture you need, and it also is for good smooth barrel movement. Um, that that uh, forward position also offsets recoil and really helps with flinching. So those are just kind of some of the most common things we see, and people can, like I say, work on them on their own, work with our staff, and even get some instruction and really up their game with a few little things in all three departments. A couple things I want to run by you, too. You mentioned that Karen and I do a lot of handgun shooting, and we have a number of handguns, and we have um, some personal defense guns, and we have some plinking guns. One of the things we do if we haven't been shooting for a while is we start out with a twenty-two, and we do that just from the fact that as we're working on our grip and our our trigger uh, and how we use the trigger and our sight pattern, we're not thinking about recoil because we're starting with the 22 and we kind of get back into our good habits before we go to the larger caliber handguns. And I think that sometimes, I, I don't know how the experts feel about that, but we kind of think it gets us back in the groove a little bit when we haven't been shooting because shooting is a perishable sport. And you'll find yourself, like you said, pushing or pulling the trigger. You'll find yourself flinching from recoil, not getting a good sight pattern because you're anticipating recoil. So the, does, do your range guys believe in sometimes doing that, or is they want you to go right to the, your main gun? Well, Terry and I have seen this, and a lot of our uh, staff have the 
um, mock pistols with a laser and actual trigger pulls and such. So it's basically doing just like you said, where you'll go down there and you will practice that good stance, that good grip, that good smooth pull, and watch the laser uh, on your target. It'll tell you if you're moving the gun when you're trying to achieve results. So what what we do a lot of times with that is exactly what you're doing, uh, just a little different form. So definitely worth uh, talking to one of our staff, one of our instructors, because if you want to take your game up a notch, there are some of the simplest things you can do that can really give you good results and uh, you know help your, your accuracy. Well, I know one thing with uh, handguns. Now, you don't want to do this with rim fires like the twenty two, but most of your center fires, they're okay to be dry fired. Just be incredibly safe if you do this. You can do it right at home. You want to make sure there's no ammunition in the room no magazines in the room while you're doing it because you might put it in and forget. Just, But you can dry fire anywhere, and you'll actually see the gun move as you pull the trigger if you are pulling or pushing it. And a lot of dry fire before you go to the range can get you started well, too. Exactly, Terry. And I'll tell you, we do have some uh, <clears throat> instructional uh, papers on our walls. So if you're shooting in a particular place that actually while you're uh, in the range there or maybe waiting for your friend or loading a magazine, you can read and see if you're shooting low left, why is that happening? If you're shooting high, for example, why is that happening? And I'll tell you a very, very good tool for many things from uh, the flinching to the, the grip and pull is a dry fire exercise. And it's a very uh, common and very useful tool for getting people to realize what they're doing that they may not be aware of uh, when they're shooting around. Hey, before I let you go, you got some Christmas gift ideas for the shooting enthusiast? Terry, the number one Christmas gift for any shooting enthusiast or anyone on your list is going to be that Colorado Clays gift card. Um, You can get that in any amount. We can email it or mail it, and they can use it just like cash at Colorado Clays. Come out and have a great time. And uh, most people really appreciate that as a gift, something different. Well, it shows you, 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 you understand their interest, that, that they're a shooter, that they have an interest. You're giving them a chance. And because you're, a, you're open to the public, they can come and practice virtually almost any time. How do they find that? What's the website? It's coloradoclays.com. And, Terry, feel free to give us a call at 303-659-659. 7117. And by the way, you escaped another year without sharing any of your fishing coordinates. Terry, I told you, you got to be nice. It's Christmas time, but uh, we'll talk about that next spring. There's going to be a lump of coal in your stocking. <laughs> oh, 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 thanks, Terry. All right, I probably won't talk to you before Christmas. You have a great holiday, my friend. You as well. All right, thank you. That's JR from uh, Colorado Clays. Great people out there. If you've never been out to Colorado Clays, um, the whole group out there, Corey, Doug, Jr., everybody, just the best people in the world. You're going to feel so comfortable. And if you want to go out there and just look around, you don't have to shoot. And, and it's open to the public, and you can see their facilities and find out if it's something you'd like to do. I think if you go out, you're going to really like it. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Austin Parr is going to join us, and we are going to talk fishing here, both ice fishing and open water in Colorado on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.
You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going to the phones. Joining us, one of our favorite contributors. You've heard him on the show in studio with us. He's filled in for me. He gives us regular reports on both fishing and hunting uh, from Discount Tackle, Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. Now, nature kind of threw us a curve. I want to talk to you about a bunch of different things while we've got you for this next half hour. But... Number one is if you asked me two weeks ago, I'd have said we'd have been on the ice last week on the front range. Now, the mountains are doing okay, but what are you, and I've been traveling a lot, so bring me up to speed. What are you seeing out there? You know, it's the, the about what you were just talking about there. You know, I was talking to, to Karen on the phone a minute ago there, and we had ordered about 25 pounds of fathead minnows three weeks ago in preparation for some metro ice coming up this week. Um, and obviously that is uh, not happening. But uh, on, the, on the, 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 the separate angle to that, there is some good open water fishing that's been happening, as well as, as you mentioned, the, uh, the ice fishing up in the high country. That has been absolutely spectacular. And we've been building good amounts of ice, you know, pretty much everywhere, but you're really big water options, but places like Antero, Terriol has been fishing well. Uh, you know, we just got some good ice out on 11 Mile. Been hearing some great pike action has been going up there, especially some guys that are dropping some some dead suckers on some tip-ups. I saw a couple of pike the other day that were in that 40-plus inch range that were just very healthy fish. And then the North Park action has still consistently been good. And up there, we're even seeing, you know, close to 15 inches of ice on Lake John, where the action has just been been fantastic. No, that's what I've heard, that the North Park area was really good. And some of the, the you know, just if you just want to go catch fish areas like the Red Feathers Lakes, I'm sure are doing well. Yes, and I, I like to go up to North Michigan. Do you know if they've refilled? Now, North Michigan, I know, is going to be available for ice fishing, but have they brought the water level back up yet? Do you know? So I was up there late in the summer last year, or this year, I guess you could say, and, and there was good water in that lake. Now, there were some trout rising. Did not fish the lake itself, but took a peek at it, and, you know, that's a good option, as you mentioned, where you can get up there and, and get some kids on some great ice fishing and have some decent camping opportunities up there as well um, if you want to do some wintertime camping. But uh, that can be a really good option, and, they're, and they're, they have restocked that with trout. Well, and one of the things I like about North Michigan, too, is that, uh, like Red Feathers, you go there, and you're going to catch a lot of stock trout. You can just have a blast, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'll go there to catch them, take a kid there. It's great. Uh, North Michigan can give that experience, but it tends to have a few more holdover fish. You can get some yeah. big ones. Absolutely. It takes a little bit less pressure than those Red Feather Lakes do, and, and having some of those bigger fish options, you know, it's always nice when you're catching good numbers, then you have that nice 20 or 22-incher that, that comes and, and shows itself. So what about open water? Um, are you seeing, I mean, there's only a couple lakes. I believe Horsetooth is still open for um, boats this weekend because Ronnie Castiglione sent me a text trying to get me on the water, and I'm struggling because I got so many commitments, but I hate to miss a, a last fishing day, and it was open to boats year-round. What about both boat and shore angling? What are you hearing and seeing? Well, Pueblo has been the option number one for that. You know, and it, it allows the, the boating, obviously, in the wintertime, but the bite itself has been quite productive out there. So the smallmouth bite, as well as a few largemouth actually showing themselves. I, I talked to a good friend that went out there this, this past week and did fantastic throwing Ned rigs and tubes along some of your deeper shelf breaks where you have some of that shell that's going to be stepping into that deeper water. Um, and then he slid out a little bit deeper and caught some, some good walleyes out in that 25 to 30 
35 foot range on my my you know my favorite lure the jigging wraps and then additionally talking to some other folks have been on the shoreline down there catching good walleyes on jerk baits so just kind of working around on the points working in your low light periods of time in the middle of the day those walleyes are out in that little bit deeper water and then as those shad are pushing up against the shoreline that has been you know a pretty decent bite as we've been um, you know a little bit later and in, into the evening so that's not too bad um you know, some of your fly fishing options have been really, really good as of late um, as well that are even close to town. So Deckers is, is a year-round option, and although the flows have been a little bit lower, the bite has been really good, and especially if you move up into Cheeseman Canyon, uh, you know, you get some of those deeper pools, and the, the betas have been coming off really, really nicely up there if you have a little bit of cloud cover or you're more into the evening time. And the same thing's going in Waterton Canyon. So up in the canyon itself, getting up above the Marston Diversion right now is absolutely critical. So if you have a mountain bike or if you're willing to hike, that, that's crucial because they're pulling about 100 CFS of water out at the Marston Diversion. So if you get up above, you have some good flows. And, you know, I've been seeing some really high-quality fish up in there as well. Well, you know, and there's a lot of tailwaters, and we've had such great weather. It looks like we're going to have a week of really good weather. You know, fly fishing in 50-degree weather, uh, even the Big Thompson, the Pooter, a lot of those are going to fish fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I, some of my best fishing on the Big Thompson has been January, February. When those fish get pooled up, you can get tons of them in one area. And you mentioned Pueblo, the lake, but, you know, that tailwater below Pueblo has really come on to be one of the best tailwaters in the state. It really has. And, you know, not only are you seeing, you know, good numbers of fish, but there's also really high-quality size range of fish in there as well. And the other really new, unique thing about that tailwater is that those fish hold color that's similar to where you'd be catching them out of the frying pan or the tailor. They are re- legitimately beautiful fish down there and maybe go down and, and take advantage of the, the nice midday bite on the, the tailwater itself and then maybe slide up for a, a nice evening action for some walleyes up on the, the lake along the shorelines. Now, what about um, uh, some of the shore fishing right around the metro area? Some of it, there's some skim ice. Are people catching trout from shore here in town? They have been. So the north side of Chatfield, there's been some skim ice out there, and I imagine with another couple of days of some, some good warm temperature, a lot of that skim ice on that north side is going to dissipate. But they stocked that about two and a half, three weeks ago, and the bite has been really productive out there for the stalker trout on the north side. So with that skim ice you know, being eliminated, you're going to have a little more access around the Massey Draw type area as well as the north boat ramp. That's been good. Um, and then the other place that you know, you're, you're having some ice recede up towards uh, your neck of the woods is up near St. Rain. Uh, they've been hearing that there's been some really good crappie action along the shorelines, and then they did just stock those lakes with trout as well. So you can go up there and, and catch, uh, you know, quite a few, uh, you know, quite a few different species, uh, you know, in some of the, the open water ponds up there. All right, I'm going to put you on hold because we're going to take a break. When you come back, I want to broach a couple other subjects with you. Okay. That sounds great, Terry. All right, I'll put you on hold, and we'll be back in just a minute. Now, before we go to this break, though, I still have some ISE tickets. I got a pair of tickets to the International Sportsman um, Expo, the giveaway. And by the way, Austin, who we're talking to right now, is going to be appearing there. He'll have a booth for Discount Tackle, but he'll also be at the tank, and I believe in the Experts Corner. We'll get that information when he comes back. So what I'm going to do is the first caller, because I get here people, I always say I don't text, the first caller to 303 1043 is going to get a, a pair of tickets to the International Sportsman's Exposition right here on 1043 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. 
Uh, and before we go right back to the phones, I want to tell you that we've given away our tickets for today. But if you missed out, we're going to be giving away tickets all the way right up to the ISE show. So there's going to be plenty more opportunities to win. In addition, uh, during the week, uh, I, I believe that Stoke, Zach and Stokely, or Stokely and Zach, are giving away some tickets. And also, they're giving away a gear bag also. But anybody who wins tickets over these next few weeks, you're going into a drawing for a $375 gear bag. Karen will post more information on that on Facebook over the next couple weeks. But there's a lot going on. So follow us on Facebook to know what's coming up at ISE. Speaking of what's coming up at ISE, that's one of the things I want to talk to. Austin Parr is with us. And Austin, uh, you're going to be uh, appearing both on the tank and our new Experts Corner, I believe, at ISE. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a great time. Uh, you know, the tank, as usual, is, is always good. But the expert corner is going to really give us a good opportunity to, to really, you know, answer questions directly with you know, anybody that uh, is interested in some of the different topics we're going to be talking about. Well, and just to give people an idea, the tank will still be the same with the chair set up. The expert's corner is going to be in the same area, but we won't have seating there. It'll be kind of people are signed up for uh, different experts, sign up for an hour or two, and they'll be there like Dan Swanson's going to do electronics and You'll be able to walk up and talk to them one-on-one and have a conversation. What are you covering in the Experts Corner? So I'm going to be talking about reaction presentations for walleyes. So one of my favorite techniques and a technique that works throughout the entire season. So if you're really looking to master your skills, whether you're looking for a good fall bite or, or late summer when there's a lot of shad, I can certainly help with that and would love to talk to some folks. Well, and if people want to go to the International Sportsman's Expo Denver and uh, take a look at the... Um, the schedule. We've got the experts corner and the tank schedule up, and uh, obviously you'll be appearing at the tank. Now, before I let you go, though, it's you know obviously where Christmas is sm- smashing up on us, and there's lots of people who are haven't got their Christmas shopping done, and they don't want to go fight the malls and what's going on. I thought maybe down at Discount Tackle for some of the anglers, you could give us some Christmas tip ideas. Absolutely, we are locked and loaded and ready for the Christmas season down here. We've been having, you know, a lot of good uh feedback on a couple of different things. You know, we actually got some really neat fly packages from one of our reps down here. They're from Umqua Feather Merchants, and they're all displayed really nicely with labels and everything on sizes and patterns. But uh, they're about anywhere from 50 to $150 worth of flies, whether it be saltwater patterns or, or, or freshwater trout patterns. But we have them going at $34.99 for those guys. Those are really option, or a really good option. And then additionally, we're doing, you know, if you, if you mention this radio advertisement at all. We're doing 20% off of any combo uh, that we have in stock. So it's a lot of different good pure fishing options over there. So Fluger and Fenwick rods, as well as various Shakespeare options as well. Um, so it's, it's definitely definitely good. A few Abu Garcia uh, sets in there. And then also even for the, the ice anglers, we are very competitively priced on Vexlar sonar units. And then we're also running a, a nice sale on uh, Berkeley Lightning ice combos as well. We're doing them at uh, $22. And, you know, that's such an important thing to get a, an ice combo. So many people, you know, they, they get the old pool cue type rods or they try to use their summer rod. And in some cases you can get by, but to really efficiently ice fish, you need a rod that's suited to the line weight. Number one, if you're going to fish with four-pound test, you need a rod that will protect four-pound test or lighter. And Or if you're going to go after lake trout, you need a rod that's a little heavier that maybe will protect eight-pound test. Protect the line first, but then be able to still handle a fish, but get you close enough to the hole so you can land it. 
Absolutely. All of the above are important, you know, and if you're going for lake trout, you might need to have something that's a bit stiffer to be able to drive a hook home in deeper water. But then, as you mentioned, when you're fishing a light line, say up at Antero or 11 Mile, when you're looking to, to get some of those clear water finicky trout, that softer rod can be really good to protect that line. But if you go too soft, once again, then you lose all your protection there as well. So it's kind of a fine line, and that's something that, you know, we're all experts about, uh, you know, helping somebody pick the right rod for their certain circumstance. And really, and, you know, and, and the nice thing about if you're really getting into ice fishing, a couple of um, a couple of ice fishing rods will go, don't cost that much. And even if you just you mentioned the combos and they're inexpensive, or even I'm sure you've got just rods too, where you can use your summer reels if you need Absolutely. to. And you don't have to spend that much, and you fish so much better on the ice with them. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I like having multiple combos for the same reason I like having multiple rods on the deck of my boat. I'll have various jigs that are all tied on. You know, you might shift over to a spoon where you're wanting to, you know, give something a little bit more action and draw some fish in. Or, you know, you might be going to a different lake and, and targeting a different species that requires something a little bit uh, heavier or lighter, for that matter. And having multiple options is, is absolutely critical. And whether you're looking for something inexpensive or high-end, I've got you covered down here at, the, at Discount Fishing Tackle. Well, one of the articles you mentioned was the president reel from Fluger. That's the number one selling fishing reel in America. And that's a reel that doesn't cost that much, but yet it's high end enough where I would be very comfortable fishing tournaments with it. Absolutely. It not only offers a nice smooth retrieve, but also the drag system on it is more than adequate. So you have your all-metal spool construction, so it's very dirty. Put that right up against some higher-end reels, ice reel, because a lot of times when I'm guiding, I'm fishing more of the you know the $200 kind of range in reels, but I don't like beating those up in a bucket. So you shift over to that President combo or that President reel itself, and you put that on, on a various other ice rod, and you know that can be a, a very good option to get you a nice smooth drag system where you need to protect light line or handle a large fish. No, that drag system is really, uh, really important, um, and it's so critical, ice fishing. I want to make, I want to get your opinion. Before I let you go, one last thing that I'm going to let you go, and we might be joined here by some of the sports guys coming up. I think they're going to come in the studio here with me. But before I let you go, you know, I hear people all the time say the ice frayed their line, and it broke it. I really think the ice is too soft and slippery to fray your line. But what it does, it adds tension and you break your line, not because it frays, but because it adds tension and your drag was set too high. I would completely agree with that. You know, I'm not really one to put the tip of my rod down on the ice very much. You know, I'm fishing really high-end line, whether it be braid or fluorocarbon options, and those those lines inherently are, are very abrasion-resistant. So if you set your drag properly, you typically do not need to worry about that trout circling your hole and rubbing that line on the ice. All right. Well, we're going to let you go because i got some sports questions asked these guys, and we're going to talk about my opinion. I don't get to give my opinion on the Broncos very often, but we're going to get into that. So, Austin, um, We'll, I'm sure we'll have you on again before ISE, but looking forward to having you down there, the new Experts Corner. People need to go check um, I, uh, uh, the Sportsman's Exposition, uh, you know, internationalsportsmansexposition.com. Go to that. Check out the, the schedules. They'll see you there. They'll see a lot of the contributors to this show will be there. And we're going to bring a lot of new and exciting things this year to the International Sportsman's Exposition. I can't wait, Terry. I certainly appreciate you including me on all that. All right. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you again very soon. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. You have a good day. You bet. Well, John? Yes, sir. Terry, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing great. 
And I wanted you guys to come a little early because um, used to be, um, th- there was always different shows on Saturday, and I'd get to vent with different people. Okay. And Cecil, you, Cecil and I followed each other around radio stations for about 20 years. Okay. And, and uh, I'd always ask questions, and they'd get mad. They said, you're giving away our whole show. Don't really want to talk about that. But I got a, <laughs> I got, I got a, couple, of, I got a couple minutes left, so I'm going to maybe even steal a minute of your time. But no, I, got go a, I got a couple things I need to ask. First of all... Um, I know if the Broncos lose today, we're probably going to be trading head coaches. Yeah, I, I think I, I think that's inevitable, no matter what. I, I do too, and you know he seems like a really nice guy. Sure, but some of the decision making just has you pulling your hair out. Do you find that too? Yeah, the dec- it's something I didn't realize. We'll, we'll focus like the challenges. <laughs> right, he's one for eight. Right, in two years. Right, and it, that was bad. You just you see things at different times that really do frustrate people. Yeah, I mean, and it's. It, I think in the moment he just doesn't seem to be able to make. You know, he seemed. I'm sure he's a knowledgeable football guy. You don't get a head, I think he head coaching job without being a knowledgeable guy. But his at spur of the moment, you have to have gut instincts for decision making. He doesn't have to see that. The other thing I really want to talk to you about is our quarterback play. I am. I know bad quarterback play because I was one. Okay. okay, back All in right. college. Quarterback. So, right. so I, was, quarterback. I was a bad okay. quarterback, so I, I understand bad quarterback play. Of course, it was a million years mm-hmm. ago. We had I, mean, I don't remember if we had face masks or not. But, <laughs> okay. but, but when I watch Case Keenum play, you know, in the last two minutes when he has limited options, they cut down the routes, they half the field, he makes quick decisions and gets rid of the ball. During the game, he doesn't seem to be able to anticipate guys getting open, read the plays developing, and then he doesn't seem to know. If you were looking at John Elway versus Peyton Manning, John wow. Elway, when, his young, when he was young, didn't read defenses very well, but he had such a powerful arm that as the guy came open, he got the ball there. Or he would take off running. Yeah, and, but Peyton Manning never had that arm. Mm-hmm. So he had to anticipate the guy being open and throw him open, throw to that tight window that actually helped the receiver get open. I don't see – well, Case Keenum doesn't have a rocket arm. No. I, he's got a decent arm. He's okay. But he doesn't seem to anticipate or throw people open the way I see. And he he holds the ball way too long. He's He's been holding the ball too long. And, and the other thing he's been doing, Orlando <laughs> points this out a lot, is when he's finding guys open, he he's 6 to 10 inches off on yeah. where the ball needs to be, to your point about throwing it open. And I don't yeah. know if he's worried – because last year in Minnesota, if you go back and watch him, he was throwing guys open. Right. So I don't know if it's the way they were calling the plays this year or if he's worried about getting hit because he's been beat up. If guys aren't open, he's, he's, he is. He's holding on to the ball too long. If guys aren't open, he seems to be getting indecisive to me. Maybe he should commit to running the ball yeah, or throwing I, it away. Yeah, I, I, well, I think he's going to try to open it up because of the pressures on him today, obviously. And you guys, I'm sure, are going to talk more about that. But um, I just, he just needs to make better decisions and make them qu- more quickly. Anyway, I got to do my part of the there sports talk, so I'm going to leave it to you guys. You're going to be talking. How long you guys are on? 11 to 2 today, and then see Salami's up after us. All right. So you're it's li- going to be good. You stay tuned. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, but sports coming up on 104.3 The Fan. Thank you.